Happy New Year. Man, it's so thrilled that you're here. We've had a great start to our new year. We had the, the birth of our fifth grandchild early this morning in New York City. Of course, um, her due date, Lindsay's due date was December 22nd. Stephanie went up there a week ago Thursday. I went up there Sunday. We spent all week there. Came home last night without the baby being born. Uh, in, in New York City, they do not induce, all right? Uh, we've never missed Dr. Logan so much. You know, they say we're backwards, all right? And yet, uh, we got here and now found out the baby was born. The name is yet to be released. We're waiting. And so uh, we are really, really thrilled about that. Uh, this morning, I want to start with an illustration that, that said a lot to me for a long time. Uh, years ago, a, a businessman was speaking to a group of high-powered business executives. And he brought up, first of all, he brought up just a big gallon uh, jar. And he put this jar in front of the crowd. He said, I'm going to start filling this up. And so then he brought, come on, my man Brady's helping me out today. He took some big rocks. And he began to put the rocks in the jar, just one at a time. And um, this time I'm using a plastic jar. I tried a uh, glass jar last time, all right? Didn't work well. All right, and and he um, just began to, to fill it up and filled it all the way to the top. And uh, all these guys are just watching him as he does this. And so finally he asked him, he says, is, is the jar full? And uh, they say, yes. He said, no, it's not full. And so then he brings up uh, some gravel. And he just begins to pour that into the jar. And then he begins to shake it all down so it goes as, as far as possible. Gets as much of it is. And then he asks again, is this jar full? And they say, well, probably not. And he said, well, you're right. So then he takes some sand, and he begins to sift some sand down in the jar as he continues to shake it down. He tries to get as much sand in as he possibly can. And he just uh, makes a mess like I am. But um, he just continues to go down and down and down into the jar. He just continues to fit more and more of what he can do. Sorry about this, Donna. But he continues to, <laughs> to fit more and more in the jar. And he asks again, is it full? And of course, by this time, they go, no, it's not full. And so finally, he brings up some water. And now he begins to pour the water into the jar. And finally, it fills all the way to the top. And then he asked them this question. He says, what is the point of this exercise that I'm doing with you this morning? And they answered rather quickly. They said, the point is, no matter how busy your life is, you can always fit one more thing into the jar. And he said, no, that's not the point. The point is this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. Repeat that with me. If you don't get the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. You see, I'm convinced this morning that as we begin this new year, that Satan has convinced us of the first answer. He's convinced us that what you're supposed to do in life is just keep adding and adding and adding. And that the fuller you can get it, the better off you're going to be. 
And so you enter 2017, and now you start with a new list of things that you want to add to your life. But here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced that Satan knows if he wants to defeat you, he can either get you in some kind of rebellious sin where you go away from God, or he can so fill your life with more and more things that you push God inadvertently, not purposely, but out of your life. Because we don't get the point of life. The point of life is not to add more and more. Well, in America, we like to say, you can have it all. It's a lie. You can't have it all. You've got to make choices. And what you've got to do, what I've got to do, is put the big rocks in first. And that's what we're going to work on this morning. Uh, Wes already talked about New Year's resolutions. I, I loved his resolution because it's specific. And I want to give you some of those specific things this morning for you to put in first. You see, we, we are on January the 1st this morning. This is our opportunity to put the big rocks in first. Now, I'm not asking for nebulous. Well, I'd like to be a better Christian, or I want to be a better husband or wife, or I want to have more happiness in my life. Or, uh, guys, those are so nebulous. I want to be in better shape. I mean, those are nebulous. They, they will never work. And you'll just be frustrated by New Year's resolutions. And, and truly, those things shouldn't be the goals. So I want to give you some specific things today, what I call five healthy habits. And here's the cool thing you're going to see as we go through this message. These habits are going to lead to you fulfilling having more happiness in your life and being a better Christian and being a better husband or wife. They will work. But, but don't reverse it. Don't try to have the, the big goals because they don't do it. Those are just wishes. You start with the five healthy habits. Let me give it to you this morning. Number one is Bible study, all right? And listen to what James says, James 1, 25. But the man who looks into the perfect mirror of God's law, the law of liberty or freedom, and makes, here's our word, a habit of so doing, is not a man who sees and forgets. He puts the law into practice, and he wins true happiness. Again, guys, happiness is not a good resolution. It is a great byproduct. And and what does James say? It starts with putting yourself into God's Word. I was reading my morning devotional this morning. It's it's a study through the Psalms. It was in Psalm 1 where he talks about the man of God who's planted by the water, who's deep into God's Word. And the devotional, here's one of the lines. So to know how to meditate and delight in the Bible is the secret to a relationship with God and to life itself. Do we believe that? It'll change your life. Because we believe this is more than just words on a page or pages. This is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Many of you, like me, love the, the preacher Tim Keller. He's uh, written a lot of books Many people today in Christian circles refer to him as the C.S. Lewis of today. And I was reading about him the other day and found out something sort of surprising is that in his college years, he was a a skeptic. And uh, though he had grown up in a Christian faith, he was very skeptical. But he he decided to get involved in a a small group Bible study. And, you know, the, the leader didn't try to answer his skepticism. He just said, start studying the Bible. And he started reading it. 
in particular the Gospel of John. And it just was so alive in him that he began to change. They even asked him to, to start leading the Bible study despite the fact he wasn't past his skepticism. And he went to a workshop about this. And in the workshop, the, the teacher got up in front of all the people that were there and says, I want to challenge you for the next 30 minutes, I want to challenge you to study one verse. Just meditate on one verse, Mark 1, 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the, 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 the leader said, I want you to go off to yourself. I want you to spend 30 minutes on that verse alone. And I want you to come back to me with 30 things you've learned from that. Keller said, I thought it was impossible. Then he went and he wrote down some things quickly. And he's five, ten minutes in. He's got maybe seven deals. But then the more he meditated, the more he prayed, the more he looked at the verse. By the end, he had 30 things he'd learned from that one verse. And then they got everybody together. And the teacher said, how many did you have it? 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And most everybody was a little bit later in the meditation where these great truths came to them. And in community, they began to learn together of what God had revealed to them in Scripture. And Keller says, that was life-changing in my life because I began to see the power of the Word of God, even just one verse. And my, my friends, Bible study, you say, great day, buddy. Of course, you're going to talk about Bible study. That's just sort of wrote. Listen to me. It's a big deal. Why does anybody who ever talks to you about your spiritual life ask you, are you reading your Bible? Are you studying your Bible? They do that not just because that's the question to ask. They do that because it's a big deal, and you will never really grow spiritually unless you're in the Word of God in some way. The number two is prayer. You say, okay, again, buddy, you're just telling me what I know. Why do we always say Bible study and prayer? Because these are the big rocks. Listen, you, you may wonder, why am I not close to God? Why am I not growing spiritually? Why do I not feel what everybody who seems to get on this stage feels so, so deeply? It may just be that you hadn't put the big rock in. It may be every time you hear someone get up and say, are you reading your Bible and you're praying? You go, there they go again, just flies over your head. My friends, the reason it's said over and over is because these are the big deals. That's what we're going to spend the month of January talking about. We're just going to talk about the big deals to individual spiritual growth, the big deals to this church, the big deals theologically. We're going to talk about a lot of big deals. But we start off with these two, Bible study and prayer. Listen to Romans 12, verse 12. Base your happiness on your hope in Christ. When trials come, endure them patiently. Steadfastly maintain the habit of prayer. That's how, how do you learn to pray? Let me give you two ideas. First of all, just pray. Don't go read a book about prayer. Don't go to a seminar about prayer. You don't need to go to a class about prayer. Just start talking to God. It will come better and better. How else do you learn to pray? Pray together with somebody else. Nothing will change your prayer life more than praying with somebody whose prayer life might be a little deeper or better than yours. Because you begin to pray together, things begin to happen, things begin to change. And you begin to pray every day. You've heard me quote this quotation before, but it's still one of my favorites. Albert Lemon said this, The most arrogant thing a man can do is to leave his house in the morning without praying. That's the most arrogant thing you and I can do. Because we're saying we can do it on our own. 
Now, I'm not asking you to go spend an hour in prayer. That'd be awesome. Just start praying. Pray before you get out of bed. I'm still so convicted by the story I told last week about Hunter Morris, my friend, who's so fired up for God, who before he gets out of bed, prays every morning, Lord, we believe that you can do impossible. I don't want to settle just for the possible today. I want to experience the impossible. Can you imagine, my friend, I'm starting to pray that prayer. If we prayed that every day, what we would experience you say, buddy, well, I love this, but I, I struggle with this. Let me tell you, I, we all do at points. But, but, but we, we keep mentioning it because it truly is a big deal. And, and let's just stop here. You're not going to make progress spiritually unless you start spending time with the Word and prayer. Now, this morning, I want to give you a help. Probably the, what's been the most beneficial to me through the years. And in fact, Paul Evans introduced me to this book. Moments with the Savior. It's a devotional book by a guy named Ken Geyer. Been around for a long, long time. And um, it, it's, it, it's simply a, a scripture from the Gospels, a meditation, and a prayer. It changes my prayer life because it gives me something to pray except just what I want. And I, I've probably given away, I just order these all the time because I know how much they've helped me and helped my friends. And I, I, I've looked for a lot of different kind of devotional. This is my favorite of all time. And, and today... I wish I could give it to everybody. But we, we, we have been able to find this in a new edition, hardback, beautiful. And, and we're going to find 100 of them for $10 a piece. And so this morning, if you're struggling with what I'm saying, before you leave this place, go to the information center and get you this book. You know, this is one I will guarantee will help you. Because it will help you get in the Word, it will help you meditate, and it will help you to pray. And so we're not without help. There's all kinds of helps. There's helps there on your phone with Bible apps. Find something that works for you. Don't just do the open Bible study method where you just open it up, whatever, and let it, let it sort of flop open. And just, just sort of, no, find you a systematic Bible study. Let's keep going. Number three, giving. Listen to what's said in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. On every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside something from what you've earned during the week. And use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord is helping you earn. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Now, this is a very practical giving here for giving to the saints. But it's a very practical idea. Is that every Lord's Day, we set aside something to give. You say, okay, buddy, here's another one. I don't even like this one. Why are you talking about giving here on the first day? Because let me tell you again, it's a big deal. You may not like it's a big deal. I may not like it's a big deal, but it is a big deal. Why? Listen to this passage. Deuteronomy 14, verse 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. What does God do? He says, I want to take what you're going to be most tempted to hoard, to hold on to, to spend selfishly. And I want to make this a test of your love for me. Think about what happens when you write a check out. First thing you do, and most of you don't write checks anymore. Thank you for the way you're giving to text giving. But writing out checks, it's, still, it's a great exercise. First thing you do is you write the date. And that reminds you that you are immortal. That you will live forever, but the things that you have are dated. And one day, everything you have will either rust out or burn out. Everything you have, everything you're, you're tempted to go spend on. 
And then, then you, you put who you're writing it to. And we like just to put God, but we can't put God. And so, so we'll put his representative on the earth, which is his church. It's his body. And so then you put the name of the church, all right? And then comes the moment of truth where you need to put the amount. It's David stepping up to Goliath. It's Peter about to step out of the boat. It's the little boy wondering if he should give his food. Is David going to sling the rock? Is Peter going to step out of the boat? Is the little boy going to give his food? And here's the moment of truth. Is are you going to give of your best? Or are you going to give of your best? Is this enough to say to you that things don't come first, God comes first? Does it really communicate that God comes first? And then after you write that, you may write in that little blank for. And, and then just think about all the things that God uses our collection for. For, for the cause of Christ to be spread across the world, for people to be ministered to and helped, for this church to be what it needs to be to help you in raising your family and doing what we do together. And then finally, you write your name. You're making a commitment before God and signing your name that God, you come first. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Because when you write that check, it's not so much the amount you're writing, it's a confession that God owns it all and he's first in your life. And let me commend you. We've had a really good year this past year as a church of giving. But I only can dream if we all became generous givers, we all just obeyed that passage we just looked at. To give aside weekly what God could do. We wouldn't have to hold back on anything. So those are three of the healthy habits. Let me give you two more rather quickly. Number four is community. Listen, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says to some young Christians that are starting to skip church. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together, and some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord is coming near. He said, some of you are getting out of the habit of going to church. And, and the writer of Hebrews believes this is a big deal. He's not just going to pass over this lightly because he knows this is one of the big rocks that affects you spiritually. That God knew that we are social beings, that we need to be together. And the church is a challenge because the church makes us get with people who sometimes get on our nerves. And we have to learn to work through our relationships. And we learn, have to learn to work through when we don't agree on things. And be a fact, but that is so healthy. It's, it's like the wise man said, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's by being together that we begin to grow spiritually. I'm just thinking about the things I've talked about so far. You know, someone grows spiritually and maybe someone comes up to me in the lobby after church and says, you know, I just want to tell you, buddy, 2016 was the best year of my life spiritually. Now, I'll guarantee you, they will mention either maybe a message they heard from God's Word, a Bible study they were part of, their prayer life improving, or somebody they met. Or just somebody they, they got in a relationship with who challenged them spiritually, who they prayed with. And, and guys, that's why... It's a big deal that we get together. And guys, I think in the culture we live, it's, it's an even bigger deal because we can have so many superficial friends today. 
We can have thousands of Facebook friends and no real friends. They just see the superficial good things in our life, like where you ate supper last night. Who cares, you know? But all of us really need, in the culture we live in, where it's so easy to be superficial, where we're so busy and we keep adding more and more in. Guys, here's, here's the price that's paid when we believe this exercise is just about putting one more thing in. Relationships suffer. That, that's what's going to suffer first. Your relationship with God, your relationship with people. And that's why you need to make it a habit. You need to make a decision. Now, this is an exciting month for us as a church. Listen closely to what I'm about to say. Over the next month, we are reorganizing our small group ministry. So we'll be on a different schedule. You know, we do small groups on Sundays and Wednesdays and all through the week. And uh, we're going to spend a lot of time training new leaders on January 15th. We're going to give you some new ways to form groups. It's going to be really exciting. And we're going to need everybody to cooperate. Whether you need to stay in the group you've been in, your group needs to multiply like some of our groups, or you need to just go start a brand new group. Maybe you had not been in a group. We'll give you some creative ideas about that. But please pray with us through this and, and be with us through this as we do that. Now, while we're doing that and while we're taking this month break off, we're going to do something really special over in the, the Life Center. We're going to do a, a worship experience called Sanctuary. And we're going to worship God and we're going to study the Word and, and we're going to talk about community and even get into community. We're going to spend some time together. When you get to be a church this big, it's really easy not to know anybody. And this is going to be an opportunity for four Sunday nights, beginning next Sunday night, for us to spend some really good time. Listen to me. You will never get close to anybody you don't spend time with. If someone keeps telling you they love you and they won't spend time with you, go ahead and tell them they're a liar. Okay? And guys, if, if we say we love this church and we want this church to be a community and we want it to be close and yet we're not willing to give some time to be together, if all you want to do is slip in and out of here on Sunday mornings, and we're not going to build a community, then we're not building a church. We're, we're, we're building an entertainment venue, all right? And so this month is an exciting month for us. And, God, it, it, and if you're not in the habit of this, I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I'm just saying probably what's happening in your life is what happens too often in my life. I just kept on putting more and more things in. And the thing that got dropped with my life group or, 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 or being regular at church. And let me just tell you, if every Sunday you've got to wake up and decide whether you're going to church or not, Satan is going to have an excuse. If every year you've got to decide whether you're going to be in a small group or not, you're going to come up with some kind of excuse. Guaranteed. And so make it a habit. And it will bless you. And then number five is service. Listen to Galatians 6. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Guys, when we start giving and getting in the Word and praying and sharpening each other, the result is we are going to walk out of this place and explode with good works. That's what the writer of Hebrews said. When you get together, fire each other so much that you leave this place and you go and do love and good works. I wish I had more time to talk about this. Because my friends, I don't know any rock that makes you change more and that gets you over yourself more than when you begin to go serve. So you got to find your niche. Your niche may be here in the ministry of this church when everybody has something to do. Your niche may be out in the community. It may be in your neighborhood. 
It may be in a, a, a group already going in, in Montgomery that you could join in a mission with. I got the coolest note this morning from a buddy, David Knowles. And so I want, I want to share this because I, I, didn't, I didn't know about this. But he refers back to another January the 1st. And, and I want you to hear this. Many of you know David. David um, has an amazing prison ministry. I mean, you'll hear a little bit about that. But, but listen to what happened to him on January the 1st, 2016, Brother Buddy preached a, a sermon on mission. During that sermon, he said that someone in this church has been called to ministry and that they were not being obedient. Can't believe I said that, all right? Unknown to him, six months earlier, God had in fact called me back into full-time ministry to the prisons of Alabama, but I had resisted the call of God. At the invitation that day, I remember this, Amy and I came forward and confessed to the church that God had called me back into ministry and that I was afraid and had no idea how to do what God had called me to do. The church prayed for us, and with a week, we had started this ministry. That was 11 years ago today. The result of that call has been over 300 men have either come to the Lord or been drawn closer to Him. Currently, we have programs in five prisons in Alabama and hope to triple that number this year. We are so thankful for this church, your prayers, and your spiritual and emotional support. Because of your faith in God and your faith that God can work through someone like me, there has been a great harvest in the kingdom. May God be glorified, David knows. Hey, let's give God the glory for that. Now, that may not be God's calling in your life. His calling may be for you to get involved in children's ministry. His calling may be for you to be more bold in sharing your faith at work. But, but again, you've got to work in this habit of serving, of, of our religion not just being a spectator sport, but it being a mission into our community, of you having your radar up for people who hurt, people who are in need. David just had that radar up about prison ministry, and he's so gifted at it. If you've ever been there with him, you'd see it. So gifted. And God's going to put your radar up about something that you could do for him. But listen, if you just keep adding things, it's not going to happen. You see, here, here's the truth, guys. If you just keep saying yes to everything in your life, you are never going to say yes to God. If you do not say no to some things, then you don't mean this. But here's the truth. You are absolutely going to say no to God. Now, let me, let me finish with this. What's the goal of these habits? Listen to me, these five habits I've given you, they're not exhaustive, they're not a checklist, they're not the goal. The goal is not just Bible study and prayer and giving and service and community, that's not the goal. The goal is you and I to have life-changing encounters with God. As you get into His Word, it's not just to read His Word, it's to come to know God. As you wrestle with God in prayer, your prayers will change from, Lord, would you do my will, to, Lord, help me to do your will. As you give, you'll begin to experience what Jesus said in Acts 20, 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive. As you live in community in the body of Christ, you'll find out that you don't live life alone. You'll have the joy of people who walk beside you and who help you be more like Jesus. And as you serve, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, you will see his face. When you give to the least of these, Jesus says, you've given to me. And that will change you. But let me say this to close. 
You will not experience this unless you take the point from this message. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them all in. If you don't put the big rocks in first, that's, that's our warning today, you'll never get them in. So please don't take the wrong lesson from this illustration and go do what we normally do. And let's walk out of here and let's just keep adding things to our life. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll be involved in that organization. I'll help here. Oh, no, 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 no. Because all you're going to do is cram your life. And the truth is, spiritual things will be crowded out. That's just what happens. But if this year, you could start the year, and I could start the year by putting the big rocks in first, and anything else has got to fit around there, then I can become different. So today, I challenge you to start habits that will change your life, to make a commitment. If you look back and you go, hey, buddy, the truth is, in 2016, I just kept adding more and more. And the truth is, you know, I hadn't been reading my Bible, and I hadn't been praying much. And I've been skipping out on things. And, you know, I'm certainly not giving generously and not... Hey, that, that's what I love about January the 1st, 2017. We get the opportunity to start over and to put the big rocks in first. Let's pray together. God, Lord, as we prepare to respond to this message, God, I know it's really easy to just sort of blow off the things we've heard because we have heard them so many times we just sort of tritely go there, the preacher goes again, talking about Bible study and prayer and giving and all those other ruckus. Forgive us, Lord. Because when we do that, when we discount these things, and we go out and live in the culture of our day, what it really means is we're just going to keep adding things to our life, even good things. And you're just going to keep on being crowded out. And your people are going to be crowded out. And so, Lord, we pray, God, for the forgiveness of that, God. And we pray, Lord, and we thank you for this new opportunity on this first day of the new year, God. And, Lord, I pray for each one of us to meditate on these thoughts, Lord. And, and, and to decide what are the big rocks we want to put in first. God, help us not be controlled by our culture. Help us to be controlled by you. And if, Lord, today we need to mark this day down... If we've tried this and we've been too weak to do it on our own, if we just need to make a confession about how out of sorts our priorities are, of how full our mason jars become without even any big rocks in there, if we need to confess that, God, if we need the help of the church, God, then help us to be bold enough to come forward and to start this year off right. God, we love new beginnings. You're a God of new beginnings. God, bless us in this new beginning right now. Would you surround us, Lord? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing. If you need to come, come.